Uh, today, I want to, it's a special moment, got somebody we're going to bring up here in just a minute, but I want to just turn to a scripture real quick, First Timothy chapter 3, and I'm reading from my iPhone because I don't have my glasses today, so, uh, but it says, here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, some translations will use the word elder. Some translations will use the word leader. Uh, but it says, whoever desires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. The scripture goes on to talk about the requirements of somebody who steps in the role of a leadership position in the congregation or in a church setting, and today uh, we've got some exciting news to share. Uh, we're going to be inviting up in just a few minutes uh, Don Jones and his wife Michelle, and today I just want you to know that he is going to be our first appointed elder. But for some of you, um, you may not know what that is. And so what does that mean? Uh, so for the, our church structure is you have our staff. And so you have myself, you have Andrews, Deanna, uh, Eric in the back. You have Dee as well. So we have our staff. And we run uh, the majority of the church from the decisions to all the day in, day out stuff that goes on. Uh, and then a part of that as well, uh, as far as how we're governed, we have somebody that oversees me. I have two pastors that oversee me. That is, I report to them. Uh, they encourage me, uh, hold me accountable to, to my life and my family. And so I meet with them. And then we have elders. And elders come alongside and they help make decisions, big decisions that go on in this church from financial decisions to our, our budgets, obviously, uh, and so, so many other things that go into a church. And so it has been five years coming since I've been able to have elders. We just put it in play this year, and so it's exciting to have somebody come alongside uh, our staff and help lead spiritually and even practically our church. And so this is a prayer answered, I'm telling you, and so we are great uh, for Don Jones and Michelle. So can we just celebrate them as they come forward? Come here. And um, so, so Don and Michelle, uh, you guys been here for, I don't know, two, two years, Still about three, 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 almost mm -hmm. three years. And uh, it's a cool story how Don came here. Uh, they live right behind here in the neighborhood and Don was on a run and heard the music. He heard Correct. Andrew's voice That's is right. what happened. That's and what it, it was. Angelic in. voice he has. <laughs> And uh, so I heard the music and just, you know, kind of came in, check out. And then since that Sunday, it's, you just started to come pretty, Absolutely. pretty consistently. And so uh, it's a blessing to have Don and Michelle. But one of the things we wanted to do was pray over them. And it's an awesome blessing to have you guys a part of our family. I mean, really it is. Thank it's you. a true answer to prayer. been praying for you both for five years, saying, Lord, please send us elders, send us leaders to help govern and lead this church. And uh, so I love this couple. They're an amazing couple. And I think most importantly, I know that they love you and they love this church and they love the Lord and they, they will dedicate their whole life to serving Jesus. And so it's evident in their life. And the things that I just read to you, First Timothy chapter three, for me personally, when I look at Don Jones and his family, that's what I see. 
And so would you pray with me uh, over Don and Michelle? We're going to pray with them. Andrews, would you come up here and uh, pray with us as well? We're going to pray over them and just bless them, ask God to speak through them, you know, use them in our church to help lead and guide uh, as we make decisions in a church. And so would you just extend your hands out with us? Let's pray over Don and Michelle uh, as we appoint them and our first elders. And so Jesus, thank you for Don and Michelle. Thank you for their family. Father, I pray that you would anoint them from head to toe, Father. You'd fill them with understanding, with wisdom and insight of your word. Lord, as they lead, as they guide, as they pray, as they shepherd, Father, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, that you would speak to them. You'd give them vision. You'd give them understanding. Father, would you equip them for your good work? Father, I pray also that you'd keep them from the evil one, Lord. Help them, Lord, to walk steady in your uh, path and in at your pace. Jesus, I pray that you would... Fill them with your spirit, Lord. God, let them know who they are in you. And I pray they'd be reminded uh, of their strength in you, Jesus. Father, I pray that you would bless them with grace. Would you pour out your grace upon this family? Would you protect them and uphold them? Lord Jesus, would you shine your face upon them? Help them to know you greater and greater and greater each day and use them in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can amen. we celebrate Donna awesome. Michelle Jones? Great Thank job. you. Thank you. And uh, you guys good. can have a seat, but Don, you're going to stay up here because Don... I'm going to grab my notes. <laughs> you can grab your notes. Don is going to be sharing the word today, and uh, he's a great teacher. His great heart towards generosity and giving, and I've said this story before, uh, but when I first met with him at a Starbucks, he opened up his Bible, and it was underlined so much. Like, you couldn't even see the words. It was just circles and underlined, and so it was a man that showed me a man of integrity and a man of God's word. So... Let's welcome Don. Thank you, Don. Right. We're excited to hear Thanks, from you. Thanks, Pastor Ricky. Appreciate it. Wow. What an eventful morning already. Can you all hear me well enough? Okay. It sounds like I have a bass up in here, so I feel like, uh, I, feel like I, I told... It's been 18 months since I've been up here in front of a group of people, and the last time I got up here, I said I felt like a ball-headed Backstreet Boy. <laughs> and listen to the music again, I thought, Backstreet Boys are back, man. <laughs> I was going to have Eric play a little bit of that intro music, but I didn't know if it'd go well with church, so I thought I might just want to hold off on that. Uh, but wow, thank you, Pastor Ricky, for those kind words and for the prayer. It was, it was, that was very powerful. Um, I'm very thankful. And as I was standing here in worship, it's been fantastic to be back in, in a congregation again and just being pulled into worship and just raising your arms and just the music was speaking to me. And I really, I want to thank you all because as we've had to navigate the last however many months with COVID and the situations and things that changed, Pastor Ricky has led and just stayed consistent. And everybody in here has had a great part in making sure the church continued to grow. So I'm real excited about getting back in front of people again and just being around that, that fellowship. Uh, this is a fantastic church if you're here visiting for the first time and people really care. So I encourage you to, to check this church out and spend some time with the people. Now, as I mentioned, it's been about 18 months since I last spoke in front of a group of people. We've had a lot of things happen over the last 18 months, as I'm sure many of you have had. One of the things that, um, and I'm not going to talk about today, but one of the things that uh, occurred is I had to go through some cancer treatments since the last time I spoke. And it was in the throat and neck area, so my mouth does get a little dry. So you might see me pause to grab a little bit of water. So just kind of bear with me as I go through that, if that's okay with everybody. Fantastic. Well, um, I was really excited too when Pastor Ricky asked me to speak on this uh, series, Living Like Jesus. In week one, Pastor Ricky talked about, talked about praying like Jesus. 
And then in week two, he mentioned, talked about praying, I'm sorry, forgiving like Jesus. And I'll tell you what was really interesting is we had our a men's group. And if you're not part of a group, I want to encourage you to maybe explore being part of our community groups. Because we had a fantastic uh, meeting on Tuesday night based upon last week's uh, sermon. And I think, Phil, you'd agree. We had a lot of fun, laughed a lot, got closer with each other. And those small groups, those small community groups are opportunities for you all to get to know more people. So I'd encourage you to do that. And then uh, today I'm honored to share with you part three. Jesus followers give as Jesus gave. So living like Jesus, part three will be Jesus followers give as Jesus gave. And I was really excited when Pastor Ricky asked me to talk on this subject uh, about giving the way Jesus gave. But as I started to dive into this, I started to get a little overwhelmed. Can you imagine trying to document all that Jesus gave us? Where would you start? What, what would, what, how, how can you, there's, there's not enough books for me to write down everything Jesus gave for us. So I thought we, thought we might want to first just answer a few questions and boil it down to maybe a few action steps we can walk away with today. I thought we should really look at the, the why, the what, and the how that Jesus gave. For example, why do we even give in the first place? Where did, what's that now? <laughs> Love, love crowd participation. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We want, yeah. Basically, God's the one who first gave everything to us. The concept originated with God, and it's usually what's happened is that we have to. When we're born. Uh, we're not born with this sharing nature. Just look at your children and how they play with their toys. It reminds me of the old Daffy Duck cartoon. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. As he jumps on top of Bugs Bunny, it's all about what's mine, and they don't really want to share. But as time goes on and our parents teach us, hopefully we go ahead and and learn the concept of sharing, but not in all cases. But most of the time we do learn the concept. But where did this concept originate with? If you really think about it, I believe it originated with God. See, I believe that God gave us everything that we have, and God gave first, and he gave us his best. He gave first, and he gave us his best. He gave us his son, his one and only son, Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave us his son. And he didn't give us as a gift because we deserved it. He gave it because he loved us and wanted a relationship with us. Let me share a story with you about my grandfather and myself as I was growing up. I called my grandfather Pop. And uh, I remember when I was little, it could have been more than maybe four years old. And this was back in the days when we had landline phones. And for those of you who don't know what a landline is, it could actually hook to the wall and had a cord. So my grandfather was on the phone long distance. And I climbed up on a chair. And because he wasn't paying attention to me, I thought I just would hang up the phone. He wasn't happy. So he told me not to do it again. He, made, he dialed again, got on the phone, and guess what I did? I did it again. Again, he told me not to do it, but I didn't listen. He did it the third time. And the third time when he made the call, I hung up again. He smacked me lightly in the face. And I, I just was startled. It actually put fear of my grandfather in me when I saw that happen to me. I didn't expect that. I deserved it, but I wasn't expecting it. But here's what the interesting thing is. There were many times when I did deserve something that he didn't give me what my punishment deserved. Whenever I would do something that was maybe inappropriate, and my grandmother, we called her Yaya, 
she would tell she would tell my grandfather to take us downstairs and make sure she spanks us because we were getting out of hand. Well, my grandfather would take us downstairs and he would take his belt off and he would, he would take his hand and he would smack his hand so hard that he would put a welt on his hand and he would tell us to scream and cry like we were being beaten so that my grandmother could hear us. And so she's getting upset as he's hitting his hand and he would put such a welt on his hand. And see, what, what happened because of that, I learned to love my grandfather even more because he had mercy for me. He took a punishment upon himself that I deserved and he took it for me. And because of that, it built our relationship. It built our relationship and our love. And I came to admire him so much that he even became my best man in my wedding. It is pretty cool. <laughs> so this is how it is with God. God gave us not what we deserved, but what we needed. He gave us his son because he loved us. His motivation for giving was love. And Jesus was the same. Jesus said, he does as the Father does. That's why I know Jesus' motivation was love. So Jesus gave us all because he loved us. And if we are to give as Jesus gave, then our motivation should be to give out of love. We should love Jesus so much that we want to give as he did and bring others to him. So that is the why we give. We give because Jesus first gave to us through love and because we love him. And my friends, by giving the way Jesus does, we are so abundantly blessed. We are blessed beyond measure. Now, why do I say that we're blessed? I mean, how do I even know it, that we're going to be blessed? Because Jesus said it. Let's look at Acts 20, 35. In everything I did, and this is Paul speaking, in everything I did, I showed you that by, the kind, by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Think about this for a minute. What would it be like if we focused on giving instead of getting? What if we focused our life on a life of giving instead of a life of getting? I mean, it's a radical concept if you think about it. But if Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, why would we not want to study giving more? Why would we not want to understand the power of giving? So think. How many here want to live this blessed life for themselves and for their family? Because if we do, then we need to learn to give the same way Jesus gave. So to live this life of giving, this blessed life of giving, we need to know what to give and how to give it. So first, to give as Jesus gave, we need to know what Jesus gave. So I went ahead and reached to the greatest mind out there in the world, Google, and I, and, and I Googled, what did Jesus give us? What did Jesus give us? One site listed 45 gifts that Jesus gave us. Looking over the list, it was evident that Jesus gave all that he had. But how do you sum it up into one word? Think about everything that Jesus has done into your life. How would you sum up everything he gave you into one word? What word would he equate for all he's done for us? And the more I thought about it, I think Jesus wanted us to land on the word hope. Jesus gave us hope. So what is hope? Hope is an earnest, intense expectation of something good. It's not a wish. 
And I'm going to say it again because I really want to emphasize the power of this word. Hope is an earnest, intense expectation of something good. It's not a wish. How do we know that Jesus gave hope? Well, let's look at the scriptures because he says he does as the Father does. So let's the script, let the scriptures prove themselves. Look at Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I'm going to reread that, but I'm going to substitute the word hope with the definition. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and earnest, intense expectation of good and a future. Now, how many cannot get excited about that? That is phenomenal what God's offering us and what Jesus is giving us. I mean, how exciting is it to know that Jesus gives us hope? He gives us that earnest, intense expectation of something good. And that's what Jesus gives to us, and that's what we need to give to other people. And I really want to emphasize this word hope a little bit more. I don't want to beat this point, but I want you to understand the power of hope. The world has misused this word and diminished its power. We often say we hope hope so. When we want something to happen, we say we hope so. And that's nothing more than a mere wish. That's not the type of hope that Jesus gives us. If you really want to catch someone's attention, next time, just say instead of I hope so, say I wish so. And watch them stop and look at you funny. Instead of I hope so, I wish so. It's a total different mindset. And then when somebody says to you, if you hear them say, oh, I hope, I hope that works out. Say, oh, so you have an earnest, intense expectation of that good thing happening. And you watch and see how they stop and look at you. See, there's more power in hope than how the world allows us to look at it. So the what we give, as Jesus gave, we give hope. That's what we give. So if we were to give as Jesus gave, we need to give hope. Which leads to the next question, how do we do it? How do we go about giving hope? Well, let's look how Jesus gave hope. Jesus gave hope by giving of his time his talents, and his treasure. Jesus gave hope by going about doing good for people and for serving them. Let's look at Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good. How was he doing good for people? He was basically using what he had to serve people. So the how we give hope, as Jesus did, is that we serve others. Serving others in either word or deed is what Jesus did. And we need to do the same. We serve our families. We serve our communities. We serve our church, etc. But for for the sake of time, for today's talk, I'm going to talk about how we serve the church with our time and talents. By a show of hands... How many desire to come into a good environment and want your children to have a positive experience worshiping the Lord? Absolutely. That should be everybody's hand. Well, if that is what we want, if that is truly what you desire, if that is what you want, then we need to ask ourselves, how can we give of our time and talents to serve and help create that environment? How can we help create that experience? We need to look around at the needs, and then how can we give to the need, to meet the need? 
think. Do you like a, do you like a clean, well-organized environment? Some place when you come, you feel comfortable in? If so, maybe you can serve with the setup team. Do you want your children to have a positive experience and desire to come and hear the word? To fall in love more with Jesus? If so, maybe you can serve in the children's ministry. Do you have the ability to sing or play an instrument? I'm jealous if you do. But I sing a joyful noise, I've been told. So do you have... Now, that's not the persons we're looking for up here. <laughs> the, the joyful noise people stay, stay down there. Okay. But maybe you can sing or play an instrument. Maybe you can help out with the worship team. Do you find yourself drawn towards technical things? Well, maybe you can help out with the back-end technology. Or do you just enjoy being around people? Maybe you can help out with the greeting team. There's so many opportunities to serve. And I th thank you. And, and I think about, now, how many people come in here that are really hurting and need the, to know the Word? And do you know that all those service, all those parts of the ministry I just talked about, together, make a great environment? And we, that, what goes on, might be the thing that that person needed to see and hear? How you serve might change your life. What I know is this also. If we give up our time and our talents, God will bring the people. If we give up our time and talents, God will bring the people. He's looking for people who will serve his children. And speaking of children, don't we all desire that our children would grow up and want to serve others? Absolutely we do. Well, then they learn it through modeling. And if they see us give of our time and talents, what do you think they're going to want to do? If our kids see us serve, what do you think the norm in their life will be? Absolutely. Boy, I like you all. Give me a moment to pause. Uh, I want to share a quick story with you. This happened to me several years ago when I was in West Virginia. My daughters uh, started attending um, the youth group, and I just felt led that I should help out with the youth group. If my kids are going there, I need to be partakers of it, not just a consumer of it. I need to help. And I was just thinking about that a lot, and God was kind of working on me deep down. I could just sense something was going on, and I started to read my Bible a little bit about it, and, and I'm just, you know, still become a newer Christian. And I was praying about it, and I showed up one evening to drop the kids off at the youth group. And one of the youth group leaders grabbed a hold of me and said, hey, do you have a minute? I want to share something with you. I said, absolutely. So we were chatting for a few minutes, and the woman said, I was praying because we need more youth leaders, and I was praying to God to show me who it is, and he brought your name to my mind. Would you? And before she said anything else, I said, I'm in. I'm in. She said, well, wait a minute, don't you want to know what I was going to ask? No, I'm in. Well, don't you want to test drive? They call it test it out. See, no, I'm in. There's, God had put it on my heart. I've been battling with it. And then she comes along and asks me, what would you say? No, I need to go pray about it. No, I need to go think of it. No, it was already set up that way. And as I share that story with you, I, I will venture a guess that there's several of you in here today that are feeling the same way. You know deep down God's been working on your heart to start serving. So I'm here to tell you, accept that. You are to. Go ahead and help out. I didn't get too much of a clap on that one. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> nice. Fantastic. Now what's the nice thing about serving also? Is you're going to get blessed. There's a secret, my friends. When you serve, you get blessed. Some of the best relationships I have came out of serving. And when I was going through my cancer treatment, those are some of the folks that continue to encourage me. There's great blessings when you serve. So I want to encourage you to do that.
See, God's so good. He blesses us so abundantly when we give. When we use of our time and our talents, he gave us to bring hope to others. God honors that. There's so much joy and peace and excitement when we're serving others. Just to, just to, to be giving of our own heart is a phenomenal opportunity. And when you serve others, you're serving God, and he will bless you. And how do I know it? I've experienced it. And Jesus said it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I'm going to kind of change lanes here a little bit. Let's talk about not only did Jesus give of his time and talents, he also gave of his treasures, his financial resources. Some people say that Jesus didn't have any money because he, they thought he was poor, so he wasn't able to really give to people's needs. And I don't believe that's really true. I mean, let's look at John 13, 29. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. So this was at the Last Supper. He leaned over to, Jesus, to Judas, Jesus did, who was, who was his treasurer, and he said something to him. What they assumed was that he was going to go give money to the poor to pay for the food. So for that to be a thought, wouldn't it be logical to believe that Jesus must have done that often? It wasn't just a whim. Oh, he must be giving money away if they just got up to go. He, this must have been his pattern of behavior. He must have had money to be able to give to the poor. He must have had money if they thought he was going to be sending Judas to pay for the dinner. If you think about it, the Last Supper, how many people were at the Last Supper? We know over 12 at least, right? Have, anybody, have any of you taken out 12 people to dinner and paid for it? How expensive is that? It had to be quite expensive. And additionally, to have a treasurer, he probably needed more than a dollar bill in his treasury if he needed a treasurer. What happens, I believe, is that people read 2 Corinthians 8-9. 2 Corinthians 8-9. For you are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his kindness, his gracious generosity his undeserved favor and spiritual blessing, and that though he was so very rich, yet for your sakes he became so very poor, in order that by his poverty you might become enriched and abundantly supplied. See, they see the words poor and poverty and think Jesus walked around with nothing. However, I believe that's just not true. I mean, think about this. If you take a gentleman like Bill Gates, a billionaire, who would give away millions of dollars to poor people, do not those poor people become rich? And if he gave away a lot of what he had and only had a little left, and let's say he had to move into my neighborhood, which is a nice neighborhood, but don't you, consider, don't you think he'd be considered poor? And see, this is how I believe it was with Jesus. See, we could, we could dream bigger than anybody else. We could have the biggest vision. We could have more money. But it still wouldn't even line up to total into a, a, a pinky of, of the wealth that Jesus left when he left heaven. Could you just imagine how prosperous it must be in heaven? Just to be in the presence of God, to give that up and come to save somebody such as myself who didn't deserve it? Yes, he was rich, but he, came, he became poor for our sakes so that we, we could become rich. And I don't mean just in money. So looking at the example of Jesus, how should we give of our treasures? Well, the answer is in that same scripture. Jesus gave generously. He basically gave all that he had. So as followers of Jesus, we need to give generously and lavishly. 
We need to give generously and lavishly. And you might ask, why is that? Well, let's let the scriptures answer the questions for us. If you look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So, how are we to give of our treasure as Jesus followers? We give generously and lavishly. We give willing, willingly and with a cheerful attitude, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. We should give with joy and excitement and never with a feeling of being coerced into it. Please don't give of your treasures because you had a speaker who motivated you emotionally or you saw a picture of a starving child in Africa on TV. We want to help everyone. But Paul said, we need to decide in our heart how much to give. Don't let outside forces dictate your giving. I'm going to pause a moment because what I'm getting ready to share with you, share with you here is very powerful. Giving of your treasure should be something that you have spent time considering. Giving is a powerful tool and opportunity to advance the kingdom. Giving equals souls one for the Lord. Giving is a powerful tool and an opportunity to advance the kingdom. A giving is going to equal souls one for the kingdom. God established sowing and reaping. God established sowing and reaping as a powerful benefit for us so we could give cheerfully. But how do we give cheerfully? Well, first, I believe we need to let go of ownership of the resources and realize God gave them to us in the first place. We tend to think that our hard work brought us the seed, the increase. But God knew we would think that. That's why he had written in Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18. Again, let scriptures identify itself. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced the wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. So it is God who gives us the ability to increase and he provides the seed. Before I knew much about the word, before I knew much about the Bible, I thought I was so smart and I could just work so hard and I got everything, I earned everything and I deserved it. I'd go out and spend all I wanted that I had earned on whatever I wanted. And then if there was anything left over, I might give some to the church. And giving was just an afterthought. And most of the time, I had to be motivated by the pastor to even think about giving. However, the more I started to read and study the Bible, I learned more and more truths. And I want to encourage you. I'm going to step aside my notes for a minute. I want to encourage you. Read the scriptures that are here. When Pastor Ricky speaks or anybody talks, read the scriptures. Study them yourself. Let God reveal to you the insights. Jumping back into my notes. It was like when I read Ephesians 4.28 for the first time. Ephesians 4.28 says, If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Give generously to others in need. Well, first of all, I wasn't a thief. 
So, so the scripture, reading that, after reading that, the scripture still made me pause and think, why was a thief stealing in the first place other than to take care of their own need? But Paul said to work, and what he said after work, he said something very interesting. He said, quit stealing, but works that you have to give. Think about this. This is a radical concept. He didn't say, say work first to take care of your own need. He said work first so that you could have to give. Give first and not try to meet your own need first. Now, how did that make any sense? Well, I then found the scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, 10. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. In the same way, he provides and increases your resources and then produces a great harvest of generosity in you. See, these scriptures started to change me in the way I viewed my income. Think about it. If the farmer used the seed first to make bread and eat it, at some point he'd run out of seed and thus he'd run out of bread. However, if he did as instructed, if he sowed the seed first, the harvest would bring enough seed make bread and have more seed left over to continue the process. And as the farmer continued the process, his seed would increase as would the amount of bread he would have. It's a process that builds upon itself. You've got to start the process. So I started looking at our income as a seed, and if we sowed first, God said he would provide the increase. What happened if we developed the attitude that our jobs provide seed to sow first? If our attitude was that our income was for seed to be sown first and that God would take care of the rest. I'm not saying that we mismanage the rest, but that we don't have to labor and toil and worry for the rest. So a question arises, do we believe that God really provides a seed and if we sow it first, give as Jesus gave that he would be faithful to increase our harvest and take care of our needs. Let me share a story with you that may encourage you as I start to wrap up. I'm going to read a little bit closer to my notes here. As many of you know, last year, in addition to the COVID lockdowns, I, I of course, had been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer in my neck and throat area. And I had to undergo seven weeks of chemo treatments as well as 35 radiation sessions. And I'll share that story with you maybe some other time. But there's some other things I wanted to share with you that happened during that time period. On top of our health costs you know, associated with the treatments, we had many things that ended up happening to us. We experienced many challenges along the way. Just because I was experiencing the, the healing of the, from, from the treatments doesn't mean we didn't have other things that happened to us that were kind of detrimental at the time. For an example, a month before our treatment started, we had two air conditioning units go out. So we had to have $13,000 to pay for both, both units. In addition to this, after my treatment started, our saltwater pool system went out, so we had to come up with another $800. Then one of our pets developed a hematoma in her ear, which required surgery, and another $700 bill. And while this was going on, and I was in a chemo fog. I don't know if you've ever heard of that term before or not. It is real. I was in a chemo fog. I left my sprinklers on for a month during the night, and our water bill was a $450 surprise. Yeah, $450 for water. 
That's a lot of water. We also had a TV burnout and needed replacing, which was another $700. And then a month later, our three-and-a-half-year-old dishwasher goes out, so there was another $700 expenditure. And in between things, our upstairs toilet overflowed and, fl and flooded the bathroom and moved into the hall and the hardwood floors and, and, into a bedroom. And in a rush to mop up the water and limit any damage, Michelle slipped and broke her big toe. So there you have me barely getting around and her hobbling. So we were quite the crew. And in addition to this, we have an attorney looking to some things for us. So her bill for $4,000 came in. Also, two of our girls needed physical therapy and one needed some dental work, which all added up to another $1,000 roughly. So we had all these things going on outside the cost of our cancer treatments. And I'm only bringing up the cost of money just for you guys to get the full impact of there was a lot of things going on last year with us. In total, it was well over $25,000 that we needed to spend outside of our regular budget. $25,000 additionally. Now realize, I had not been able to work for six months of the year. I was on medical leave while I was healing up from our treatments. See, I wasn't able to eat much, and I had lost 30 pounds. Plus, the treatments had left me with open sores in my throat, and they really adversely affected my emotions. I was depressed, I was anxious, and I was wore out. I couldn't even sleep. I didn't have any enjoyment in anything. I didn't even want to read the Word. I didn't even want to really open up the Bible. I did, but I didn't want to. However, during this time, I did find a scripture that I held on to. See, God was still providing an income for us while I was going through, this, through the medical issues. And we had grown enough in our walk with the Lord that we knew it was important to continue to sow our tithe and offerings. See, God never said, let our circumstances dictate our giving. God never said, let our circumstances dictate our giving. What God did say is that he would provide the seed and the increase for the harvest. He would provide the seed and the increase for the harvest. However, I felt like I was in a famine period of my life. And I don't know about you all, but with COVID hitting, I'm sure a lot of you maybe felt like you were in a famine also. But during this time, this is the scripture that the Lord shared with me. It was Genesis 26.12. Genesis 26.12 Genesis 26, says, Isaac planted crops in that land, and that same year reaped a hundredfold, because the Lord had blessed him. There was a famine going on at the time. Isaac took God at his word. He planted the seed. And the Lord blessed him. Think about it. Instead of hoarding and eating his seed, as many of us would do during a famine, he trusted God. He took his, out of his own food supply, and by trusting God, he sowed what God had given him, and God blessed him. How many people do you think thought he might be crazy to be sowing during that time? How many people do you think laughed at him, teased him, or whatever, when he was sowing during a, fam during, sowing during a famine? Now, each time I would write out my tithe check, I would repeat this. Anytime we did a tithe and offering check. Now, I often didn't feel like doing it. I didn't feel like writing the check out. And sometimes I wondered if we were crazy to be giving it this time. But we stuck with it. And do you want to know what our awesome God did? There's always something good with God, man. It's, it's, it's incredible. What our awesome God did, he not only provided the seed while I was going through that, he multiplied the harvest. He multiplied the harvest. When I looked back at last year recently, I realized that God had given us the largest amount of income we had ever had. Yeah, think about that. Amen. 
I couldn't work. He provided the seed and multiplied it just as his word said it would, he would do. He met all those extra bills, plus we had plenty of money left over for the other things that needed to be taken care of. Think about what I'm saying here. I could not work or, or, to earn my seed. God provided and, increase, and even increased our seed, and he does as his word does. He does as his word says. And if he could do that for us, what could he do for you? What could he do for you? Can you see why we're so convicted about giving? Why we want to study giving? We've personally seen how faithful God is to his word, and his word works. When we give the way Jesus gave, his word works. And I'll wrap up here. The three things I mentioned, let's wrap up with why. Why do we give? Because God first gave to us out of love, and Jesus gave us his all. The what, what do we give? We give hope. An earnest, intense expectation of something good. And how do we give as Jesus gave? By acts of service, encouraging words, generously of our resources. Now I want to pray for us, and then I'm going to turn this back over to Pastor Ricky. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your revelation. Father, I pray that people received your word today, that I was able to convey your word appropriately, Lord, the way you wanted it done, Lord. I pray that it touched people's hearts. Lord, pull those people that want to serve, Lord, that you've been working on their heart, Lord. Just encourage them to, to take that step of faith, Lord. And Lord, where it comes to finances, I pray that people let go of the money, Lord, and realize that it's you who provide. You give them the ability, Lord, and you give them the seed to sow, Lord. I pray that they trust you, Lord, and they move in faith and they sow. Lord, thank you for all you do. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, sir. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Don. I appreciate the word. Amen. Wasn't that a good word, church? There's a couple of things that he said that stood out to me, and uh, I'm just going to share. I'm going to try not to preach. I'm going to do everything in my power. But it's hard when, man, you know when God speaks to you personally in your life, it's like you just want to get it out because he just poured it in. So thank you. And spoke to me, and he made a statement, Jesus followers give like Jesus. And as you were talking... I started thinking about how Jesus gave in multiple ways, his time, his talent, and his treasures. And it took me to John 19. You don't need to turn there. And it's, I'm not even going to read you the whole verse. I'm just going to read you one line. Carrying his own cross. I literally was sitting there and I think, man, how did Jesus give? How do you sum it up, that question? How do you sum up in one word? And I started just trying to, I was wrestling with the question the whole time. I was thinking about different words, and then I thought of John 19, carrying his own cross. And I just think Jesus' followers should carry their own cross. I mean, Jesus gave, he carried his own cross. We know the story of the cross, and he carried it himself. And it's fascinating to me that he didn't ask anybody to help. He just said, I'm going to carry my weight. And when he was talking about giftings in the church, I think there's something to that. That what every church you go to, every body of Christ says, we need people to help. But can I tell you, it's not about just getting you to help. It's inviting you to carry your own cross. 
It's to take the gift that God has equipped you with and put it to work for the sake of others to find hope in Jesus. My, my encouragement to you, it's not a request, my encouragement to you is to carry your cross like Jesus. Don't ask someone else to carry it for you. Carry it. It's a gift that God has given you. Aren't you glad that Don Jones didn't set down his gift even though he battled through cancer and just gave you a piece of his gift today? Talk about anybody who has a reason to not carry his cross. And I can tell you through those 18 months of talking with him through the battle of cancer, he still had meetings with me. He would be sitting in the waiting room. I don't know if you know this, Michelle. He'd be waiting in the waiting room, getting treatment, texting me about the church and the state of the church or sending words of encouragement to me. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Carry your cross. Carry your own cross. Don't show up to church asking someone else to carry it for you. Live like Jesus and carry your cross. Give it all to Jesus all the time. It's the greatest thing you can do. And the best part about it, it's a blessing. When Don gets up here and shares a word with you, it's a blessing to you and it's a blessing to me. Was his word a blessing to you today? Was it a blessing? Was it a teaching? Did you get something from it? Did you receive today something from God that God, I needed to hear that. That was a great reminder. That was a great encouragement. It was a blessing to you. But when he has to write the sermon that takes, how many hours did it take you? How many? At least 20 hours. Do you work full time? Do you have children? Do you have a wife? And you gave 20 hours this week? to these people? Did you get paid for this? No. I'm trying to calm down and not preach here on this. Don't tell me Don Jones isn't busy. He carried a cross today, watch, for you. And he didn't ask you to carry it. He didn't call you this week and say and complain to you about how much time it was taking him. One of Satan's greatest things he wants to do from his church, that is God's church, I'm saying his church, God's church, is to prevent people from using their gifts for the sake and the growth and the advancement of God's kingdom. And it's always a time issue. If you noticed, it's a time issue. You don't have the time. It's a time issue. Truth is, you don't know how much more time you have. You are not promised tomorrow. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Here's the truth, because you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. The only time you're guaranteed is now. Not tomorrow. Just imagine if the churches live for today. One day at a time. Today. On your seat, there is a card. What kind of people will we be to not invite you to be a part and to use your gifts for the church? There's a card. And on it just says a name and an email and it has different areas in the church. Me and Don were talking this week and I said, man, this lines up so perfectly for the first kind of message back in this building. And I, I, need, to, I need you to know this. Is Rick Menino in here or is he already outside? Come here, Rick. Come here. 
Hey, Steve, would you come up here, Steve? Come here. I, and I know there's more, but I need y'all to know something. And listen, I, I don't care about time. Y'all need to know this. So, whatever. Whatever. Okay. I need y'all to know something. You can stand over here with him. That way I see. Okay, I know there was more. And I know I could offend somebody here. And our staff, D, a handful of people. Okay, I'm just going to tell you what's predominantly true. Eric in the back's on staff, helped set up on Friday. Andrew's helped up. There's a, there's a handful of people I know I'm missing. But I can tell you the truth. What time did you get here? What time did you get here? 7.40. 7 a.m. How many people helped you set this church up today? No, 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 no. At 7 a.m. Who was here with you? Who was here with you? I don't know. So, Jessica? Jessica, where are you at? Are you here, Jessica? Come here. She helped set the kids' room today? Okay. He said she was, he said she was flying solo. Was anybody helping you in kids' classroom today? Y'all try to be too nice to people. Emily, listen, how long have you been setting up this church? <laughs> how long have you been setting up this church, Steve? How long have you been setting up this church? A few years. Yeah. I'm telling you, I just want you to know, the necessity of the people up on this stage, and there's, some, and there's a few others, they set up this thing week, and I'm just going to tell you the truth, they need your help desperately. They're here setting up this thing every single Sunday for you. We have one person running currently our soundboard, our online soundboard, our computers, and our lights. One person is doing all four jobs right now. We need your help. And then tearing it down. Do you hear what he said? He said, you got to tear this whole thing down. I'm just trying to remind us as a church today that there are people who are carrying their cross for you. Hold on. I want you to hear this. These are people who are carrying their cross for you. That's all I'm trying to say. I just want to encourage you. There are people who carried the cross for you today and they didn't complain about it. And they do it again and again and again, year after year after year after year. And it should be acknowledged and it should be celebrated. Period. Thank you guys. You should have a seat. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. All right, so oh, I'm grateful for all of you who put your gifts to the talents to the table. I, and I know so many of you do it. I know it. I'm aware of it. But I'm just reminding you of the work that goes into doing what we do here. And it's just amazing to see people dedicated year after year after year after year, even when it's hard. Thank you, Don, for a great word today. Thank you for using your gift. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you.